Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and I'm joined as always by, by or with? Am I joined by you or am I joined with you? What makes us conjoined, Jason? What makes us just, you know, partners, but not like biblical partners? Just like, you know, help me with English. No one man can take on that task, Joshua Hatton. <laughs> help help think, me with English. <laughs> I think of all the teachers strewn in your past uh-huh. who attempted that. Uh-huh. And uh, many t- turned to drink, many turned to hard alcohol, <laughs> many turned to illicit drugs. Uh-huh. None of them, none of them succeeded, Joshua. Wow. This is where, where other people have failed. This is where you could succeed. <laughs> Another ship on a shore. I think I'm joined by you. Oh, we're back to that? Okay. Yeah. Um, Did we ever leave it? I was just waiting on being introduced. That was I was just kicking back, waiting on waiting on my name appearing right. in the podcast. All right. I am joined by my uh into intellectually elite business partner, Mr. <laughs> Jason Johnston Yellen. How you doing, man? So let me start where I intended to start. <laughs> Six minutes, Joshua. Oh. That's where I was going to start today's podcast after the introduction. Six minutes. I, I put it to you. Okay. Six minutes. Okay. You were tasked. Oh, okay. When we parted in Kentucky. In Kentucky, I remember that. With doing a solo 30-second introduction for our Four Roses episode. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Six minutes of solo introduction later, Uh we cut to the audio that you were going to get to within 30 seconds. Were those six minutes worth it or not? As as a man who frequently uses his 15-second fast-forward button... (laughs) (laughs) don't tell people about the fast forward button they'll they'll start using it i bet you a lot of these people they may not know about it now they're gonna start hunting for it i heard one of the best compliments uh about our podcast the other day um a good friend of the podcast bert in uh, in in moscow idaho okay uh said loving the podcast but it's like going to church but in a good way. All right. He was commenting on, you know, an hour and 40 minute episode. Okay. You're sitting there, you're listening. You know, hopefully people are working out, you know, with a, with a drink in their hand. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's a smart way to listen to a podcast. Yeah, so long as they're not driving. But, but yeah, going to church and, you know, but fun. I yeah. like that inclusion, but fun. Well, what's nice is he does not need to ask for an amen. We just give him the amen. I just, every time we start this podcast, I think preach, preach, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, so the, the previous introduction was six minutes long, but we, I had things that needed to be covered and I covered them and you know, what? I've moved on. Jason, I, and I think here's what's happened. Yeah. You got yourself alone mm-hmm. with a microphone. Oh, hey you didn't have me scowling at you over FaceTime and you ran with it. You ran with the allotted kind of time. Hmm. You ran over the allotted time. Let's mm-hmm. be clear about that. But yeah. you just you just let yourself go and you filled a space. 
And uh, yeah, and instructions you know, be damned. You know, I'm, I'm feeling oppressed right now. Will you shut up? Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system. Help, help, I'm being repressed, bloody peasant. Oh, what a giveaway. Do you hear that? Do you hear that, eh? That's what I'm on about. Do you see him repressing me? <laughs> Good. That's exactly how you should be feeling. <laughs> I'm currently scowling at you over FaceTime. <laughs> so oh. Get on with it, Hatton. Okay, 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 okay. Speaking, speaking of getting on with it, um, let's not get on with it yet because I'm looking at you through the through the FaceTime um, application on my phone, and I see that you are nosing a whiskey. I am. Yeah. I am just a just a subtle pour. It's a it's a golden liquid. All right. Ninety proof. I don't actually, know what that means. Nine, 91 proof, actually. 91 proof. 91. Oh, no. No. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm misreading it. Holy shit. I should put on my reading glasses. That's embarrassing. What's really embarrassing is that I've already got my reading glasses on. Um, <laughs> it's, it's 81 proof, not 91 proof. So you mean that that is 40.5% alcohol? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it's, it's a little bit of a hat tip to the person that we're speaking with today. Oh, wait, are we speaking with someone today? No, notice how I didn't say speaking by someone today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call a clapback. Boom. <laughs> In this episode, we are speaking with uh, the one Mr. Bruce Russell. Who, yeah, good uh, lad. Yeah. yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed his company in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, have you ever met him before? Uh, prior no, to not. that, yeah. No, first time. Yeah, I, I met first him time. briefly, briefly, briefly. I, I met him at a a Binny's event. I think it was last April. All right. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's one of those "Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you" kind of things. But you know, Bruce sees hundreds this, and thousands of people. Yes. Was this the same Binny's event in April that I worked with you? That I, I didn't get to go around meeting people briefly because I was behind the table boring and talking to customers? Yes, it wasn't. It, is, it's that it wasn't. No, no. no I, listen to me loud and clear. Yes, it wasn't. So it was two years ago that I met Bruce at ah. the Binney's event. Not last year. Ah. Not last year. Gotcha. You had somebody else working it for you that time? <laughs> How else do I walk around? <laughs> I could be behind this table pouring product and talking to customers or I could be making friends. All right. So you've got an 81 proof wild turkey in your glass. Is it the is it the rye? Is it the bourbon? What is it? It's the green label. OK. So that tells you everything you need to know. It sounds like a single malt bourbon to me. <laughs> It's the Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Yeah. Approved by master distiller Eddie Russell. So I've never had that before. That one, the 81 proof, I think it was meant for bartenders slash mixologists. Well, um, and, yeah. and that's partly why I wanted to pull it off the shelf. One part of me figured we're going to be talking wild turkey. You've got some pretty esoteric wild turkeys on your shelf. And in my glass. Go on. And in your glass. I, I can predict the future, Hatton. And so I wanted something very hands-on, okay. very price point approachable. 
Okay. Like this is this is something like twenty five dollars a bottle, twenty six dollars a bottle, maybe. Uh, that's pretty inexpensive. Yeah. Is that the price? Thirty <laughs> five? I, I can't is remember. Is it that much? I I, I, I want to say it can't be that much. Must be somewhere around twenty five then. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted something approachable, approachable in my glass, even though we're doing a rye instead of a bourbon. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of slightly rarer. Ooh. Wild turkeys to follow. Uh, a rare breed, if you will. Oh, and I'm looking at the rare breed on my shelf. <laughs> I have not opened it yet. <laughs> um, so, so that's so. Yes, I've got uh, 81 proof wild turkey rye uh, in my glass. Just sipping it quietly. And you, sir. So, a few months back. I was having a Instagram chat with David Jennings of Rarebird mm-hmm. 101. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was over email. I forget. Let's never forget. It doesn't matter. Okay. And he kept going on. <laughs> he kept going on and on about the wild turkey donut, the mm. famous wild turkey donut, which I've heard of, but never actually had a chance to taste. And something that I haven't told you, Jason, David was so nice. He actually worked up a couple donut samples for you and me. <laughs> and uh, so I've got to. Well, gotta... <laughs> well, I know what's not on my shelf, so go on. <laughs> so I have a sample for you. But in the meantime, I found a bottle of this for. I've, let's just say I found a bottle of it and I purchased it. And that's what's sounds in, like you. <laughs> that's what's in my glass. This was when Wild Turkey was doing their. This is you know single cast cast strength Wild Turkey. Here I'll show you the picture of it. You can see why they call it the donut. It's shaped like a donut. Yeah. And uh, this was uh, barrel number. I don't know. T dash O six two, and it is fifty five point five percent alcohol. Yeah, for those listening at home, as you're saying donut, it looks very much like the 1792 bottle. Yeah, but there's a, a depression in the center. Ah, I gotcha. Do you see that? Where you yes. can kind of, you hold ah. it kind of like a donut. Huh. And this is a legendary whiskey. So we were talking with Bruce, who has, is becoming... A legend in his own right, right? Being part of the the Russell family, he's got quite a little pedigree going for him. Yeah, and, and I certainly think it's it's been done in the right order where he's been a brand ambassador for Wild Turkey. So mm. he's been on the road, he's met plenty of people, he's spread the gospel of Wild Turkey. And now he's he'll still do a, a fair amount of traveling, just like Eddie does, just like Jimmy used to do. Yeah. But but slightly more stationed at the distillery. Yeah. Uh, and so th- those people who have received the good word as he has met them on the road now have a chance to go to the distillery and see him yeah. there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that was done in a, in a, in a smart order. So let's, let's start digging into the conversation. Give people a lay of the land, us getting there, <laughs> us getting into tasting some of the barrels and... We had a bit of uh, trying to figure out how to say this. <laughs> um, did we have a little bit of difficulty whittling it down from three hours of audio to an episode that's longer than going to church? Can I get an amen? 
<laughs> so uh let's lay it out for them we we got to warehouse a right and and bruce was working with another group who was doing doing a barrel pick some some shop i forget where they were located yeah and they finally left and you know bruce starts telling us what's in the warehouse what's what's available but what i really enjoyed was what happened as we walked toward some of these barrels. Absolutely. Do you want to intro that or should we? I think it speaks for itself. (laughs) (laughs) Let me do, let me do say this. Uh, Let me do say this. (laughs) You should do say that. Yeah. The intellectual one of the two. (laughs) It's a low bar. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You motherfucker. (laughs) We often say, and many people associated with distilleries will say, oh, the things you find in the corners of warehouses. <laughs> and for the most part, it's really just marketing speed. There's not a lot of things you really do genuinely find in the corners of warehouses. No. This was quite a surprise. So fifth and sixth. Oh, in the dreaded spider barrel. Yeah, so... Have, so ever, have, I, have, have I told you about this? No, uh, no, what's no the deal with the spider? Why? Um, well, nobody's touched it since we came over here a couple months ago, and whatever cool bro does all this stuff, yeah. he um, or his wife, or maybe he is a she, uh, but spider bro laid about 10,000 baby spiders, Ooh. and dad like went to tap into it and hit it once with a hammer, and they all came from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, and so... I ain't touching that barrel. <laughs> oh. oh, man. <laughs> Nobody's touched it since. Nobody's touched it since. Everybody's scared to death of it. <laughs> so what alcoholics reincarnate as? Just Maybe. spiders at the bottom of a barrel? Maybe. <laughs> I hope that's not what I come back with. Because they are gross. After we get the shock of the spider cask out of our systems... We, one of the things, one of the things we did previously uh, in interviews with Eddie, as we were selecting with him, is we would talk about key flavors as they're encountered in certain warehouses. Mm-hmm. And, and while Eddie was loath to release, you know, or reveal a favorite of his, yeah, he, he, he did tell us and, and you know, you can go back and, and, and have a wee listen and uh, and see what he said for himself. But when you and I got to the, the beginning of the casks we were going to be tasting, mm-hmm. there were a bunch of details that we hadn't encountered before. And, yeah. and we really yeah. got to ask Bruce the same question that we'd, that we'd asked of, of Eddie about different warehouses, is what are you finding here? What's What are the broad stroke flavors that are coming out of these warehouses or houses, depending on your continent of birth, you may have a different word. But what's really going on in there? And 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 he really went to town on it. So, yeah, and, and we'll move over to that audio in a second. But 
one of the things that I found incredibly interesting that I was not aware of was that they've got warehouses on site and off site that are doing different things. And we talk about that a bit here. So I, I only knew about the warehouses in Tyrone, Kentucky. I wasn't aware of these Camp Nelson ones. So mm-hmm. yeah, all will be revealed in the clip, but it was I, I found it to be incredibly interesting. Agreed. So we've got three warehouses, uh, and y'all can decide which one we go to first. We've got Camp Nelson A, Camp Nelson F, or Camp Nelson D. The way I would describe them, D is a lot closer to what people have typically been getting here this year. Big, in your face, dark, spicy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Some really delicious stuff. Uh, That's been my favorite. Uh, Camp Nelson F has been very sweet. Um... Light, but not in like no. a weak way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I. Cam Nelson is a little bit more unusual. It's one of those things. I don't know if I love it already. If it's a year, if we left it there a year too long, or if it's mm. not there yet. Mm, interesting. I don't know. It's kind of in limbo, but it's very interesting juice. Cam Nelson is just easy, sweet, kind of just like a Russell's Ten profile. So, coming here with your dad two or three times before. He's never mentioned Camp Nielsen before. Okay, so that, that just started. Okay. So um, we have warehouses at two off-site locations. We have our spot here, and then we have the handful of warehouses over at Four Roses. Only two of those actually hold barrels, though. The rest okay. aren't usable at the moment. Okay. And so uh, we use two of those. Then we have six at Camp Nelson, Kentucky. Uh, and that's where these come from. Camp Nelson's on the other side of Lexington, oh. the old military uh, base maybe. Yeah. Now is a military graveyard, but there was an old distillery there way back in the day, and there's these warehouses, and then we needed warehouse space, so we bought them up. Huh. Um, so they age a little bit differently because they're just like kind of out in this field on their own. They're not, yeah. uh, which is why I think this side of the distillery, A, B, C, D, almost to G yeah. and above, they're much closer in, mm-hmm. and, and they're kind of like grandfathered in where they weren't hundreds of yards apart, uh, berms and stuff built around them. <laughs> and so they age a little bit better because you get wind coming in and out, there's shade sometimes. I just think the barrels get a little bit of a different aging. Hmm. Um, so would you these have, are interesting. So would you have um, a D at Camp Nielsen and a D over here? So you have There would be, D- yeah. Oh, so wow. like we're in A, and we also have Camp Nielsen A. So if you ever see, um, which is why we've started on our labels, people will probably start to see T-Y-R. Yeah. Yep. And then that's Tyrone. That's where we're at right now. This is Tyrone, Kentucky. Okay. So typical Kentucky thing. Everywhere here is so small, but very specific. Like Lawrenceburg, which is just right there that you probably came through or have been to before and ate lunch. Tyrone is right there, and it's only a couple hundred people. But do not say I'm from Lawrenceburg. You know, I'm from Tyrone. That's a very, that's a big thing here. Okay. So we, uh, ourselves and Four Roses include Lawrenceburg mm-hmm. uh, as part of our thing. So we, you know, can pay city tax and it's good for the whole community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and us as well because it's the county seat. But we're in Tyrone and they're in a place called McBrayer. Okay. Uh, so if you see, it will say McBrayer, like MCB. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whatever, and that okay. would be our Four Roses mm. warehouse. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Great. This wild turkey donut bottling is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> this wild turkey rye at 81 proof 
is absolutely worth the money. Nice. And that's right. Isn't that what whiskey should be? It should always be worth the money. Whether it's a $10 bottle, a $25 bottle, if you buy a $100 bottle and it's worth $50, well, then we have an issue. But if you oh, buy yeah. a $20, $25 bottle and it's worth that money, that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I can see what you were saying about this being for the, the bartenders and the mixologists of the world. I could see some some flexibility with the spirit, with the price point here. I also think home at the end of a day's work, as I had a conversation with some bourbon friends last night, pour it, ice cube it, pour over ice, however you pour it, whatever order you pour it in, sit back, enjoy it. It's not, yeah. it's yeah. not a thinker. It's not a peel away at the yeah. layers of yeah, the layers. onion. Layers. It's a sit back, it's a sip it, it's a let you relax. I really like what Bruce does with his wild turkey every now and again. <laughs> do you remember this part of the conversation? I do, I do. Fits perfectly with what we're discussing right now. <laughs> Although I, the way he spoke, though, I don't think he's done it in a while. Yeah, I think you're right. It kind of sounds like he hasn't done it in a while. But then again, listen closely, and it almost sounds as if you're dead wrong when you say that. Oh, no. So oh, okay. have you heard about the turkey dew phenomenon? So no. turkey dew has become turkey and Mountain Dew has become this big thing in, like, a very small part of the bartending world. Like the the, the, the guys that and girls that come to camp and yeah. do the whole – they travel and they go to the conferences and they come here to Behind the Barrel. And I've met some of my best friends in the world there. But a few, two or three years ago, one uh, particular camper, uh, Josh, he really, really thought that the turkey do thing was just like really funny. Yeah. Uh, and made it a thing. And now there are like turkey Mountain Dew coins, like trade currency coins that people trade. There are people with turkey do tattoos. Uh, and it's, never it's on that. like proper menus now. And there's like a couple places in Austin. There's a place out in LA. There's a place in New York now um, that have like turkey with Mountain Dew backs on their menu. And oh, have you done it? Of course, <laughs> I did it when I was 15. <laughs> Not now. Uh, and they mix it together. So they're they're mixologists, you know. They're bartenders, and so they, everything has to be mixed. So they'll mix together and try to make a drink, and it's always terrible. The reason why you drink Mountain Dew is to mask the terribleness yeah. of whatever yeah. $8 handle you bought. Yeah. And so it's never a mix. It's always a little swig of Mountain Dew, drink as much whiskey as possible to get down, and then finish with Mountain Dew as quick as you can so you don't taste the whiskey. Yeah. It's a masker. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sounds like a good night out. It was a rough morning the next day, though. Jeez, I can imagine. Now that we got the turkey dew out of our system, let me back us up a little. Ooh, bag it up, bag it in. Let me begin. Something, something, something. Arnold Schwarzenegger. As Bruce was talking earlier yes. about the warehouses, where they're located, started on about Tyrone and the locality of it. As part of our conversation, he also started talking about the development of Tyrone. And, mm. and one of the things that's always of interest to us is the world that's being built around this bourbon boom, this whiskey boom. Yeah. It's the same when we're in Scotland, it's the same when you're in Ireland, same if you head off to Japan. What's happening in the real world around what we're considering mm. this 
global whiskey boom. And I thought the way he described the the changing landscape of Tyrone yeah, yeah, yep. was was very important. And it's it's brief, but let's listen into to Bruce right here. Hmm. The city's actually changed a lot with the Bourbon Trail and just that the popularity of this region. Uh, as this area of Kentucky has continued to become more and more prosperous, even our town, which we didn't. Our main street is just one road and a stoplight. But there are businesses now, like, there's an actual white tablecloth sit-down restaurant in town. We have never had one of those my entire life, (laughs) ever. You had to at least drive 20 minutes away and go to, like, downtown Frankfurt. Uh Uh, But there's, like, a place called Bluegrass Sabor that is like, got good food. There's, like, four or five... Good little restaurants in downtown. Wow. There's gift shops and yeah, uh, you know, there's a hotel. Yeah, uh, it's a Best Western, but still, like we, we didn't have anything when I was a kid. <laughs> but with the yeah, once again, boom of bourbon bringing in all all the tourists, it's got to be growing massively. Also bringing in executives. Right? It is, and we need it desperately. We're not a state that has historically done very well for itself. Yeah. Uh, we've always been one of the poor states uh, and not great at a lot of things. Not, you know, not great education or mm-hmm. job opportunities, not a great place to live as a young person. But Bourbon has made it kind of a cool place. And Louisville's a cool place. Yeah. Louisville's like yeah. a really cool upcoming. Yeah. I mean, it's already there, but yeah. it's still growing uh, and it's going to continue to get a, yeah. to be a better and better place to live. And Bourbon is a huge part of that. That whole uh, downtown dis- distillery row mm-hmm. touristy mm-hmm. thing is huge. The Fraser Museum now, it's yeah. going to be the first leg of the Bourbon Trail. Oh, okay. That's huge. You've got people that are kind of like indirectly involved bars, restaurants, other distilleries like um, uh, Butchertown, mm-hmm. uh, doing all kinds of cool stuff. Butchertown. Yeah, um, Copper and Kings. You know that, and they're in areas in Louisville where, when I was a kid, you didn't want to be. Sure. You know, and it, sure. it's changed a lot, and a lot of that probably is due to the bourbon, or mm-hmm. yeah. due to the influx of people because of that. Yeah, I thought that was it's interesting. You know, especially that there sounds like there's some really good, there's some pride going on here. Like, yeah, it's a small town, but no, we're we're Tyrone. This is not Lawrenceburg. This is exactly. this is Tyrone. And exactly. In, in a strange way, when I think of that, I I think I I feel as if that's a mantra that's been carried over from generation to generation. Which to me, it 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 takes me back to the way Bruce was talking. So so you had it right when you said it earlier. You know, we had about three hours worth of audio for this hour and a half, hour and 40 minute podcast. But there was a theme we kept coming back to across the interview. And that theme was family, right? Yeah, it's inevitable. Right. And so, exactly. It, it is inevitable, when, especially when you're talking about uh, Jimmy or, or, or Mimi, as you'll, as you'll hear uh, in, in a story that Bruce tells, and Eddie, right? There's that patriarchal lineage. But, but yeah, three generations. Right. At a single distillery. But here you get to hear him talk about his grandmother as well and what mm-hmm. life was like 
at the house, right? Yeah, and, I love that. Absolutely. And so there's there's a lot that he said there, which which just it warmed my heart. You know, this is someone who grew up. When you hear him tell the story, someone who grew up in a loving family, not just family, but friends around that I think could be considered family, right? Yeah. Uh, and even to the to the point where a question about wild turkey funk mm. turned into an answer about family. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And and if, as you're listening to this portion of, of Bruce speaking, you're going to realize he doesn't answer the question about wild turkey fun. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But rest assured that we do return to Wild Turkey Funk later in this episode. Yes. So please do enjoy the pivot that he makes to family and rest assured that we will give you information on Wild for Turkey Funk later in the episode. And just before we cut to the audio... Ooh, ooh, I heard a, a glug, little glug, glug. refresher in the glass. All right. We brought you a sample of the, the K... Um, oh yeah, that we that we bottled last year. That on our label notes talk about like classic turkey funk, and so for those collectors that are bananas about wild turkey, there's nothing quite were, like that. Oh man, they yeah. were chasing it. Now down. I've tasted so, that funk in a couple other bottles, but all that old wild turkey stuff has it. Oh, I know, I know. All of it has it. Yeah. It's, is it? Is it old stills? Is it? You know everything. Everything. It's old the growth fact oak. That Jimmy got to make whiskey. Yeah. I call him Mimi. I hate calling him Granddad. That's like so weird to me because that's not what we call him at home. Hmm. Uh, so it's usually Mimi or Jimmy. What? What's What's Mimi from? Mimi was. Have you met Joanne? No. So Joanne is the fourth family member involved. She's my first cousin. She's Dad's sister's child. Uh, okay. So her mom is probably the real reason why Jimmy got a job because my grandma got pregnant and made my granddad get a job. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, she was a secretary here before he yeah, worked here. Yeah, okay. And so I'm sure she helped. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and then he just continued. He started to really move up in the company very quickly. And so she left and took over the high school. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's a <laughs> small town. There's only so many over the high school. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's only so many things you can do in town. What were you asking, though? Oh, because you called him Mimi. Oh, so uh, Joanne's oldest brother, Roger, uh, he's 40-ish. Mm. Um, and he broke his arm or his leg or something and was trying to scream as a young child for, I guess, Jimmy? Uh, okay. And it came out Mimi. And so, you know, whatever the first one calls you, that's what you get stuck yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he got stuck with Mimi. Uh, it's Mimi and Granny Joe. That's what we call Joretta, Granny yeah. Joe. That's great. Mimi and Granny Joe. There's no cards that say that on the front. No, but all my like high school buddies, uh, and their house was a house that people went to yeah. to eat. Yeah, yeah. Our grandmother cooked. Everybody in town knew when I was growing up, at least all my buddies did, and their parents because they were always with me. Once a, once a week, Monday nights, uh, Joe Retta Russell cooks for an army of people. Yeah. Now, there's only, like, us actual, like, uncles and nephews and cousins and stuff, there might be a dozen of us at the most in any of those things, and that's when, like, everybody's there. Okay. But routinely, me and my brother would bring in, like, four or five, six <laughs> football or basketball-sized <laughs> humans to come and try to eat uh, themselves to death, and they could never eat as much as Granny would cook. 
She was a queen. Wow. Yeah, she was old school Southern though. Like everything from scratch, everything, yeah. Yeah. breads, um, pastas, really, everything from scratch. Pasta. Pa- oh, would it was the best thing in the world to be sick because it'd be. I want chicken noodle soup, and she'd be like, "All right, give me some time to hand roll some noodles." Here it's like, what? Wow, it was so good. Wow, so it's like good. desperate to catch a cold. Yeah, <laughs> but he's sick a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but even at that age, you realized what was happening was special. You weren't just like, "Oh, my friends get it from the can." Can, can yeah, I just because a can? even other people's grandmothers cooked. Like everybody's mm-hmm. mom here, and everybody's parents cook. Yeah, or a lot of them do. Uh, my mom or dad doesn't. Dad can cook. He just doesn't choose to that much. Um, but she, what she did, you could tell. It was like. Oh, wow. that's even more than yeah. ch- even in other people's houses. Every now and then, you got a Stouffer's dinner, mm. or you got the lasagna out of the the <laughs> oven. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never got that at Granny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what you got, yeah. you know you could tell. Like when you had beans, she bought beans mm. from the farmers market, or you know she was shucking corn and yeah. shelling beans, yeah, yeah. and you know stuff that even back then you're like, oh, Granny's food's better. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody knows. Now everybody wants. Yeah. Yeah. Organic and. Yeah, exactly. You know, slow cooked. Slow cooked yeah. or free range or grass fed. And exactly. Like that's the stuff Granny always, it's just what she did. Yeah. So have you followed in that tradition? Or are you more your dad's side where you could do it, but you, you don't? I can't cook like she can. Um, I can do a bunch of Southern stuff. If you want something fried or if you want like the best vegetables you've ever had in your life mm. uh, they're probably not healthy with all the butter or cream I'm going to put into them <laughs> uh, they are going to be but they're going to be so good yeah. yeah yeah. There's, there's a vitamin in there somewhere <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> definitely are you going to make some cornbread for the side yes fried okay Ooh. and not sweet that's the one thing that that's probably the biggest like uh Argument between people in the South okay. is sweet versus savory cornbread. So I like my cornbread savory, no sugar in it at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'd, if I wanted dessert, I'd order it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. some people, even with their yeah. meals, like even in a Cracker Barrel, to me, that cornbread's way too sweet sometimes. It, at that point, it's a muffin, right? Yes. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. a muffin or yeah. it's a cake. Yeah. 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Corn cake's probably pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Before we went into that clip, you said something about, oh, a little refresher in my glass. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, I did. (laughs) And I couldn't fully see what you would put in your glass. However, the bottle shape looked (laughs) familiar. So I wanted to open with the the everyman, the the 81-proof rye. Mm -hmm. And, And as somebody who drinks a lot of cask strength offerings 81 proof is is very 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 low for my palate yeah and and you know as as the joke we've said a few times at, at 40 40 and a half percent alcohol it's 60 or 59 and a half percent water <laughs> and so I, I thought it was a, a nice little palate cleanser Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also not a lot of rye spice on it at 81 proof, which is oh, why I talked earlier about it having some kind of flexibility to it. Hmm. So I, I wanted to ramp it up, and uh, a bottle that I was uh, discussing with my bourbon group last night, Whiskey Jubilee Chicago Bottling of Wild oh, Turkey. Right. Last November's bottling. And 
And part of the reason I was drawn to it, obviously, is Wild Turkey, but the label has our hero and our heroine in the exact warehouse. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. back then we were tasting with Eddie, this time we were tasting with Bruce. It really has a connection to place, not just through the liquid that's in the bottle, yeah. but also the label that's on the front of that bottle. So, yeah, host, host of reasons to, to pour that one. It's also, spoiler alert, oh. incredibly delicious. You, sir, are a very thoughtful person. Well, thank you, sir. You put thoughts into things. It's true. <laughs> Not into my response to you, but... <laughs> so there's a bit of a connection here to what you poured, I think, right? Because that's our... Bef- sol- yeah, go ahead. Before you effectively and professionally oh. pivot us away from that last area of discussion. Oh, I love the way you're talking. Should I get out the wah-wah pedal? <laughs> I don't know what that would do. <laughs> do that. You've got to do this. Then uh, <laughs> I'm almost there. Keep talking. <laughs> um, just as we're talking about the hero and the heroine on the Whiskey uh-huh. Jubilee labels, uh-huh. I was just going to tease uh-huh. that later in this episode, we will have a news item. Yes. That gives the most uh, recent update on our hero and heroine and Whiskey Jubilee Chicago. Do they overdose on heroin? Is that the news? Is that a different kind of heroin? <laughs> that would be a hell of a label. <laughs> I should show them strung out on the side of a row. Wow, we would have to have Lou Reed somewhere on that label with oh them. Oh my gosh, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I bet Lou Reed's estate would never, ever approve it, but... You know. No, but now I can't get the song Heroin out of my head. Oh, one of my favorites. Oh, Absolutely so amazing. So oh, good. yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, so yes. yes, please please pivot us onwards. Yeah, so when when you poured that, it just got me thinking. <laughs> it got me thinking to the number one reason we were there. Like, yes, we wanted to meet Bruce. We wanted to interview Bruce. Obviously, it, it seems everything we do nowadays is just to feed this this podcast that we do. So you know that was a predominant reason why we were there, but. Really, we were there to pick some casks, right? Yeah. Or cask, which, which uh, spoiler alert, we selected two casks. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a point where you and I were tasting, I think it was two different casks from Warehouse D. So, and again, if you remember what, what Bruce was saying before, this is Warehouse D from Camp Nelson, not Warehouse D from Tyrone. Now, Warehouse D from Tyrone, we've done that, and that was one of the the two casts that we did in, in a previous bottling where D in, in um, Tyrone is, you know, soft, nutty, you know, really more modern-style turkey, but these Ds from Camp Nelson are closer to, say, Warehouse G or K, Warehouse G or Warehouse K, where you get okay. these big, bold, and spicy, you well, know, in-your-face flavors. It's funny you should say that because the Whiskey Jubilee Chicago is Rickhouse G, and so there you I've go. got G in my mouth right now. But I, hey now, but I can't... Um... Always the what with you, always the what with you. <laughs> always to the whiskey with me. Um, but there was a point where we were uh, on tape disagreeing about which cask we liked more. Tape? 
Did I say tape? What did I say? You said tape. Did you pick up some fresh cassettes (laughs) before you jumped on the aeroplane to Kentucky? Uh, (laughs) Wow, tape. Look at you. Look at you, Grandpa. I I got with some cassettes. You have no problem with wax, which is (laughs) vinyl, which is pre-cassettes. Yet I mentioned tape. And now all of a sudden I'm an old man. <laughs> Honestly, because I didn't think wax actually pertained to anything. So. <laughs> Just I thought it was an acronym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were there to pick some casks. And I've got some audio here where we definitely agree on one in particular. And then we had some differences of opinion. And I uh, thought it, it, it's a fun bit to listen to. And I wanted to share it with our listeners. This was one Joshua saw early on, this, uh, this leaker here. Um, we'll get in there. Yeah, yeah leakers always. Hypothesis. Well, I, it's not a unique one. Did you see that? This is kind of a strange color for the leak. Too. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> this weird like rusty water color. It's where all the spiders move mil- to milky. That happens though. That spider urine. That's <laughs> exactly. What <it> is. <laughs> right, let's get in here. Uh-huh, been wow! Look at that. So, this is yeah, what are these again? 428. This is a Kent Nelson A4473116.9 proof. December, the very last day of the year, December 31st. Wow. Oh, we did 2009. We did the December 31st. Yeah, we did the well. December 31 before. That's funny. Thank you. Well, cheers. Yeah, Happy cheers. Good to be uh, good to be with you. Thanks for your time. Oh, of course. It's Lawrenceburg. Not much else to do. Uh, <laughs> this is Tyrone. Yeah. Even <laughs> well, there's actually a little bit more to do in Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this one? I like it. I like it a lot too. Yeah. Just trying to keep in my mind that wild turkeys were picked up to this point as well, and always trying to tell a new story. I tell you, I keep coming back to this. This oh, is just easy, yeah. easy, good this sipping really good, yeah. whiskey. This is ten times better than the stuff that I let them try. And it, it just was totally at random. We started down there, and we tried two of these barrels, and neither of them were bad, but mm. one of them was very thin. Mm. And the other one just didn't have as much as those over there did. And so they immediately were like, let's go back over to D. Okay. Mm. I get that. That's one of the things I like about this one is it's not that it's got really good texture to yeah, it. Yeah, it does. That's a great start. I'll tell you some of the um, best stuff that I've tried recently, though, was Scotch. We've hired a new national brand ambassador who worked at Jack Rose, which I'm sure you all are familiar with, mm-hmm. that bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was the bar manager? Okay. Head bartender. What's Head bartender. Okay. Uh, Benny Hurwitz. Yeah, Benny Hurwitz. Yeah. yeah, sure. So we've hired Benny because he's like our favorite person in the entire world. Awesome. And uh, he is now our national brand person, but he's based out of, we made him move to L.A. Okay. It's the only reason he would take the job because he was uh, okay. um, helping run the program at Columbia Room, um, uh, which was another fantastic bar in D.C. Okay. And didn't want to. You know, he's like, man, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I think they won bar program of the year. Oh, okay. Tails, maybe somewhere like that. Oh, yeah. Like it was, it's that level um, of mixology going on there. But his wife 
his recent wife, your newlyweds, uh, she's from L.A., and so once we told him he could move out to L.A., I think she was like, yeah, we're taking it. <laughs> so we lucked out. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but he is much more uh, versed in scotch than I am. Okay. Um, and he really likes, like, weird one-off single distillery. So we, yeah. we were trying some single castination stuff. Oh, nice. We Oh, so good. So I like that a lot. That's. I like that a lot. I like that more. Oh, smooth follow. Yeah. But I do like that the nose is incredible on this. Um, you got big herbaceousness on the back of the... But that's... Palette. So this is what was happening. It kind of... Like, great nose. Uh-huh. The palate dropped a little bit, but then the finish came through. Real herbaceous. Slightly spicy. Yeah. No, no stone fruit at all. No, you're right. It is very herbal. Huh. Got a uh, got a bit of burn on the nose, but in a nice way, like a spicy way. Like a, like a grilled stone fruit. <laughs> grilled stone fruit. Oh, <laughs> like a grilled stone fruit covered in Mars. That's it. That's, that's exactly what's in this glass. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. So y'all are the guys that everybody gets that from, probably. Like, <laughs> like, did you hear that latest podcast? A lot of stone fruit. <laughs> I like I like mm. the second. If we're doing it in pairs, I, I like, like that, that one over here. Yeah, tastes like one of my grandmother's purse candies. There you go, purse candies. You never had those church candies when you're like bad in church and your grandma's like, "Shut up! Here's a thing out of my purse. To sh- shut your mouth." You're talking to the one Jewish guy in the room. Oh yeah, so you, you didn't have that experience. So as bad non-Christian Christian children, uh, we would be mad because we had to come to church. Like my favorite church is St. Mattress. Okay. Uh, St. Mattress? Yeah. <laughs> Church of Our Lady St. Mattress, yeah. It's my favorite place to go. But uh, when when you're bad or, like, you've run out of things to color on or draw yeah. on, she would just give you some kind of purse candy. So it's just like every old woman in the world has them. Uh, okay, yeah. Like, you know the things, they don't taste like a strawberry, but the wrapper is a strawberry? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah like mm-hmm. those kind of candies. Mm-hmm. This tastes to me like she used to have a cinnamony one. Um like not quite a red hot, but kind exactly of like what that. You're talking about. And that kind of tastes like that to me. So I didn't love this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. The latest one, this one? Yeah, I didn't these these two are, are a pass for me. I like some of the things that this was doing, but um, as a complete picture it, it just So do you think it needs more time or do you just think it's the flavor profiles is not there? Yeah, I don't think it's a time issue. Yeah. I, I think I mean, the difference. I think a lot of these Camp Nelsons that I've tried, they're yeah. like super close to being very special, but a lot of them are, I don't know. It well, just it, seems like they're missing and something. So, and so that's exactly what I was going to say is this is doing a few really good things that would complement another barrel that's doing other good things and make something great. Yeah. But it's not complete. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'd say. It was like the nose I thought was very cool, developed nicely, but on the palate it was a bit unidimensional. Okay. Yeah, I can get that. For for me it's almost like a lowland bourbon, like a lowland scotch bourbon, where it's it's got those couple of notes and what they do is very well. Okay. But it's not fireworks in your mouth, but 
you could sit with it. There are people who buy Lowland whiskey, oh, yeah. right? And you could you could sit with that and have those one or two elements work perfectly. Wine. I like the way that you said some people buy Lowland whiskey. <laughs> It's like when people are like, I don't really like Ryan. I tell them, like, it's all right. Everybody has faults. <laughs> <laughs> it's that same kind of thing, yeah. Some people buy them, you know. Some Not me, but some people. <laughs> I'm from the lowlands. That's the trouble here. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was yeah, it's perfectly, perfectly quaffable. God damn it. Motherfucker. <laughs> so I think this is a pretty handsome time to, to pivot from you and I discussing tasting notes and having a back and forth Mm. to listening to Bruce talking about him working with Eddie on some some tasting notes, some flavors, and then a bit that he adds on about Jimmy, which uh, I thought was just a remarkable addition. Uh, And my hope would be that, you know, those wild turkey fans who are are listening to the podcast, I'm, I'm even hoping that they might learn something new mm. about Jimmy from the, the lips of Bruce. So let's pivot in that direction. Yeah, let me just say this really quickly. The, the comment that Bruce makes about Jimmy slash Mimi, I, I love the Mimi thing. I think it's great. You do have a daughter called Mimi. So I do, yeah. <laughs> I can see where the attraction lies. <laughs> What I loved about it, it's one of those comments that only a son or a grandson can make. Like this, this is coming from family again. Right. It's that echo back right? to. Yeah. To, yeah. Where, and, where we, where we opened with Bruce. Yeah. And every portion of the conversation coming from Bruce seemed to come from a place of of family, of of love and in, in, in what they do, not just in their business, but in their family lives. And yeah, I just again I, I agree with you. It's such great comments. Well well and yeah. and even over the course of our time together and, and that three hours of audio that we've been describing, we heard about his mom. We heard about his aunt. We heard about his first cousins. We heard about his brother. His brother, yeah. You know, not not everybody that he discussed even made it onto this podcast, mm, mm-hmm. uh, into this final version. And so uh, I really want to make clear what, what you just said there. He sees his position as a son, as a grandson. But for the purposes of, of our whiskey industry podcast, he obviously sees where he exists in the wild turkey lineage. As a son and a grandson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. However, and this is the part I really want to make clear, he also sees his position in his family. Mm. And he sees the traditions that exist in his family that he is a part of, that he will continue. And that's that's everything we want in meeting someone. Yeah. That's something that resonates with us. And and we always talk about these collaborations that we do with varying distilleries. Mm -hmm. We only do them with people we like. And sometimes people will say, what if you collaborate with that distillery over there? Well, right now we don't know anybody there. And so it's hard to know if we even want to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say it's very rare that we're avoiding any distillery because we don't like the person associated with it. No, uh, you know, and the and the fact of the matter is the way the business works anyway, and this rings true for us or any other independent bottler is for the most part, independent bottlers don't have close distillery 
relationships, right? We're buying from brokers. We're buying from from blenders and, and things like that. And, and, and actually, I, I think we find ourselves in a, a very lucky and unusual position where we seek out those distillery relationships. We're not alone, right? Obviously, uh, Gordon McPhail has a very tight relationship with Glenn Grant, right? To the point where you go to to Glenn Grant's distillery shop and there are Gordon McPhail bottlings. However, you know, this whiskey world is a small world and is 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 a family in and of itself. And we respect a lot if not all distilleries and the people that we get to meet and, and make friends with and build business relationships with it, it means a lot to us. Absolutely. And, yeah. And no uh, shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're starting to ramble on. Let's <laughs> you say we hmm. <laughs> six minute, 30 second intro. Like it's the, the first time I ever really, was like, okay, this is cool, doing this type of thing. Probably my second or third time in Warehouse A with Dad, probably five or six years ago, and uh, actually like going through and writing notes. Mm-hmm. And I remember tasting one of these and just thinking very strongly, this tastes just like a Werther's original candy. Yeah. Yep. Like the yep. very specific Werther's caramel flavor. So we had a note on one of our whiskeys that was um, Tabasco. Like the finish on it had really? like a Tabasco element, huh. just kind of that pepper that really took on the Tabasco. Yeah. But for our label notes, there's no way we could use Tabasco. For you with your Werther's Originals. Oh, that's uh, trademarked. Yeah. Did Did you find a wrinkle with your Werther's Original? Did you? No. Did you just omit it entirely? No, I didn't because they were just private notes. I didn't have. Oh, to. okay. Yeah. It was oh, okay. So how Dad kind of trained? I guess it'd be less training and more just like he tried to figure out what my palate was. I'd be um, doing that with my boys. We would go through the entire warehouse, and he would yeah. be like, cool, let's pick out stuff you think looks cool, pick out a barrel you think might be neat to try, look at an age, Does, is it worn out, whatever you think would be neat. You tell me, and we'll try four or five of them before we go to lunch. And I want you to write down everything you taste. And we'll come back after lunch, we'll go over it, and then we'll do it again this afternoon. And we would go through and, you know, write down, cool, I rate this out of one out of five, this is the reason why. Here my tasting notes, that kind of thing. He'd go through and read, and yeah, he he is never this is right or wrong. He always was like, oh, "Why? Hmm, really? Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? What did you, you? I see you said this. What do you mean by that?" Uh, and soon found out we don't have the same palate. My palate's almost identical to Jimmy's, <laughs> but as far as what I like and what I don't like on bourbon, uh, and yet you like Ryan, Jimmy doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have a lot of things. He has, at the same time, the best and worst palate of any human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> he has the best actual, like, analytical palate of anybody or used to. But he was at one time the type of person he could drink whiskey and tell you age range, uh, approximate recipe, probably where uh, it was made, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's very Very good. much a sommelier of whiskey. Yeah. yeah. He'd taste something and be like, cool, that was makers from this part of the 90s because they did this weird thing when mm-hmm. Dave was there. You know, he, he always has yeah, a reason yeah, why. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he also does not like things that he's not used to. Mm. He's very much a creature oh. of habit. Okay. So if he does not eat, if he's not eating steak and potatoes, 
He doesn't want it. If he's not drinking iced tea, yeah. uh, a Diet Coke only if he's at a ball game, or two coffees every Saturday morning, it's water or whiskey. That's it. He only drinks two coffees, <laughs> two cups of black coffee. Uh, he might add sugar or something. But two cups of coffee every Saturday morning, that's it. It's the only time he drinks coffee all week. He'll drink iced tea. Um, and he'll have a Dat Coke if he's at like a ball game. Oh, man. Besides that, water and whiskey. It's the only things he drinks. <laughs> That's funny. Creature habit. Eats the same way, drinks alcohol the same way. I want bourbon, neat, mm. or on a rock. Mm. Does not want water, does not want rye, doesn't want a cocktail, doesn't want beer. Doesn't like any other spirit, really. And he'll drink other spirits. Uh-huh. Um, like when Joya is around from Appleton, who's like the master blender of Appleton. He'll drink rum or something like that around her. If Dennis was around, he'd drink Glen Grant. Okay. You know, he appreciates other stuff. He just not what he wants to drink. Yes. You may, Jason, have noticed that I pulled out another bottle. I had noticed that. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed anything particular about this bottle? It seems very shiny. It does. Hold on, let me hear it. Listen here. I'm going to open it. It Don't is. break the cork. <laughs> no, I had to replace the cork because uh, it, it, it that cork had seen better days. That's, but uh, yeah, there's a reason we try not to use corks. <laughs> and I replaced it with a uh, single cast nation synthetic cork. There you go. Doing your private life, what we do in our business. It is a shiny bottle. I was thinking more the what would you call that portion that goes around the the top of it. Well, it's like a foil. Yeah. 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 Like a gold foil? Would you go as far as call it gold? I'd call it gold, and I'll tell you, it's kind of cheesy looking, Um, (laughs) if we're being honest. Um. (laughs) All the wild turkey lovers that saw exactly where that stupid little bit was going from the very beginning. Look at the color on this There is your payoff. It's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. have so, you shaken it to see if any of the, the bubbles, uh, if the bubbles stay pearly white or if they if they discolor any? Well, they wouldn't. Uh, so I know th- that. This. You know that. Yeah, but that is that is a very Scotch whiskey-centric comment to make yes, because, it is. Yes, it is. you know, in Scotch whiskey, the producers are allowed to put to use caramel coloring yeah. to ensure that there is a consistency of color. And or. (laughs) Allowed wrongly, I would add. Uh, I I would add that as well. And or make a three-year-old whiskey seem like a much older whiskey. Uh, (laughs) Whereas the rules as they apply to bourbon is that you cannot have any artificial coloring. Which was my backdoor way of complimenting the American bourbon and whiskey scene. I always knew you were a backdoor man. Backdoor compliments. They're the best. <laughs> so as legendary as the wild turkey donut goes, or is, I should say, uh, I would say that this wild turkey cheesy gold foil, in my opinion, is head and shoulders above at least the single barrel that I got of the donut. There may be some better donuts, and don't get me wrong, it's an amazing whiskey. But I'm going to make a very bold statement here, Jason, and I don't know if you've ever heard me say such a statement. 
<laughs> I feel like I can guarantee that I have, but try me. Now, you know, I really, in my heart, in my heart of hearts, which I hate that term, my heart of hearts, that's, that's dumb. Um, I am a scotch whiskey guy. I'm a single malt guy, be it Scotland, be it America, like Westland and a few others, be it Japan. I'm a single malt guy. However, this wild turkey is better than many of the single malts I've had. And if there was to be one bourbon. But. I'm not done talking. I know. You never are. Is. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking sneaky bastard. I'm going to take you to work. I'm going to nail it to the wall. I'm going to crush your boils in a meat grinder. I'm going to cut off your arms. I'm going to shove them up your... I, I think you just used a, a cheeky little little semantic maneuver there. Look, at you. Look you, at you. Look at you. You said... Yes. I would say this cheesy gold foil wild turkey so is bad. better than some single malts that I've tried. But would you say this cheesy gold foil wild turkey is better than some of the best single malts that I've had? Okay, so so this is this is what I would say. And and while you were, you know, yammering on, um, I was nosing (laughs) this. Being accurate with language. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) One man's yammering is another man's accuracy. I would take this over some of the nicer brewers that I've had, some of the nicer older rose banks I've had, some of the older, like I really enjoy old Isla whiskeys. Like when Kalila gets to be 30 some odd years old, nearing 40, and it gets to be elegant and beautiful. Some of the minty notes come out. I know you hate older Isla whiskey. That's your fault, not mine. Um, hate is a very strong word. <laughs> uh, but as, as far as nose to palate to finish, complexity, texture goes, this has a complexity to it. And we talked about this with Eddie before, right? And we talked about it a bit with Bruce where there's a level of complexity with this bourbon that I don't normally find with any other bourbons. Exactly. Right? There is so much going on. And the reason why I would say that this is better than some of the great single malts I've had is I can sit and nose and taste this for a long time and keep keep discovering stuff. There are so many great bourbons that are just... This is a great sipping bourbon. I can have fun with this. No, this gets to the level of, holy crap, there is a world of discovery. And for me, that's, that's what Cheesy Gold Foil is doing. But, but I think in having you clarify, I think you ended up with a much greater complement of that bottle. Well, if, yeah. You know, if, it's, if it's just beating single malt, well, yeah, we've, we've all had some crappy single malts it's it's inevitable if you're gonna say i would actually select this over some of my favorite single malts yeah that's high praise very high praise so i'm glad i got you to slow down for a second and <laughs> and articulate clearly it's not um, easy to get me to slow down here's a fun pivot Ooh, we're talking about a vintage 
wild turkey that is well loved. Oh yeah. And this <laughs> now next, it's well loved. Right? This yeah. next portion of us with Bruce is actually gonna talk about those who hated wild turkey and avoided it and had no respect for it. But then being a smart man, he pivots out of that into the new demographic. Yeah. And yeah. then hits on a term that is near and dear to our hearts <laughs> and once had its own misconception segment. And so... It was... I'm going to correct you there. It wasn't a misconception segment. It was a grind my gears <laughs> segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, very clever. Very clever. In the, in the misconception window, you it know, was a grind my gears. <laughs> in, when, when we were speaking with Bruce and we were going, we're talking about this, right? This you know, people disliking wild turkey back in the days. And, and, and now the demographics have changed. Now now people are looking for these big, big flavors that that come from, from turkey's distillate from their casks. And we're talking, and as we're going on and on with the conversation, I'm saying, you know, I've heard Bruce is a nice guy. I heard he's fun to talk to. I heard he's incredibly likable. Everything's ringing true, right? All the boxes are being ticked. And then he brings up this thing at the end, uh, which was a grind my gears thing. And I said, you, sir, I am in love with you because you are speaking truths right now. It was wondrous. Huh. How cool is that, though? Like, I was, so I got together with some of my bourbon friends and we're opening up old bottles of bourbon and whiskey, by the way. Chivas Regal 21-year-old from the 60s beat out Doug's Green Ink. Rye. Mm. That was that was surprising. Even the hardcore bourbon guys said, "Like, oh my gosh, this is how is this better than Doug's Green Ink?" Yeah. Anyway, but some of these are are older guys in their late forties, fifties, mid fifties, and and talked about turkey being, oh man, that's that's the stuff that I just hit it hard in college and dad's generation. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and the, it was it. and it was looked. Yeah, they hated it. and They looked, but it was like, hey, it was a tool that got me from point A to point B. Nowadays it's totally different. Like GQ magazine, Matthew McConaughey. It's a stranger thing. Are the consumer most excited about us as like a whole portfolio is 21 to 40. That's Mm. incredible. Um, But we also have another really strong consumer base, like 60-something and above. Okay. Who always knew. Okay. Like Jimmy's yeah. generation and probably the generation right under him, like not dads. Yeah. Like yeah. the one in between Jimmy and dad, that crew also was like, no, wild turkey one on one. Yeah. That's where it's at. That's where it's yeah. always yeah. been at. Yeah. And dad says it's, he's like, we were the hippie generation. You know, he was born in 60, grew up in the 70s. He was like, we didn't, we were anti, he's like, some things made sense, like anti war. Uh, anti-establishment, but he was like, we were just anti to be anti. Yeah. Like, if yeah. my parents are into anything, screw it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like, I think that has a lot to do with alcohol trends in general, because a lot of the stuff that me and my buddies think is awesome. Yeah. Like, if I go to a bar and I see a young man or a, one, a young woman that looks younger than me, yeah. and they're ordering something, if I hear them like, let me get an old granddad, or let me get a one-on-one, or let me get uh, 
let me get a Booker's or like just a normal but kind of interesting whiskey call. I'll be like, I'm gonna go talk to that person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they know what's up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where Dad's generation fell into the they they just wouldn't try things to see if mm. they're good or not. Sure. They get they're very brand loyal. Sure. Now that's oh, changed yeah. a little bit oh, now because sure. they're autumn are connoisseurs and geeks. But it it was I drink Jim Beam of Bud Light yeah. or I drink Makers and Miller. Like mm. I only have my one brand of each thing I drink, yeah. and that's that's it. Yeah. I'm a Coke or a Pepsi man, you know, nothing in between. It was like that with their alcohol. Yeah. yeah. And that hurt us because during most of their um, drinking stage where they had money, mm. which for dad and his, uh, you know, peers were 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, you know, buying houses, you got kids, you're drinking at home. Uh, they weren't drinking our stuff. Yeah. They were drinking Woodford and Bullet and mm. Makers. Mm. Um Anything but us, really. Jack Daniels, Crown Royal. Yeah. Mm. But I love those brands because those brands are also what started the boom. Yeah. It yeah. was, uh, you know, the Samuels is going to, Bill and them going to New York and L.A. and, and mm-hmm. promoting this um, uh, drink for the intellectual elite or for the sophisticated class, uh, yeah. whatever they called it. That worked. Mm-hmm. And not only did that work for them, it worked for us. And it still continues to work because every time I see a 21-year-old fresh-faced, I want a Maker's or a Woodford or a Bullet um, or even some of the craftier stuff. If this guy has people that he knows in the industry or mm. just has friends that are educated and so he's like, no, I want a Whistlepig or a High West mm. or something like that. I know that guy's eventually going to find to me. Yeah. And I know for certain we make good juice. The best or the worst, that's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we make good juice. Yeah. So if he finds me, he's never going to leave me completely. And so those brands have really helped us out. Yeah. Because our brand, entry brand like that, now it's probably Long Branch, but forever I guess our, our closest thing to that would be Russell's Ten. Yep. That's not a household name brand. Sure. It's a household name brand if you're in the whiskey scene. Yeah. Amazing though that your entry would be something with that big of an age statement for bourbon. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean the. The only other one that I can think of would be Elijah Craig 12. Like yep. everything else was just sort of straight, you know, straight bourbon or whatever, but nothing with an age. I think the fact that you guys, and you're calling it your entry, would have an age statement, at least in the Scotch world, that kind of means something. Well, if, if a buddy of mine or if a friend of a friend ever came up to me and said, I've never had bourbon before, yeah. what should I try? Mm. That's probably what I'm going to give him as our tenure of our stuff. Mm. Um, first. Why is that? Dad's flavor profile tends to be more beginner friendly, and I don't say that in a negative way at all. Mm-hmm. It's sweeter, it's creamier, it's got a different kind of mouthfeel than the stuff that Jimmy has. Um, I think the stuff that me and Mimi, Jimmy like, has that hot chewiness on the back that a lot yeah. of old wild turkey has, where it's like, Whoa, this yeah. doesn't finish. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just keeps going. Yeah. And so, like, you know, 30 seconds later, it's when you'll hear your buddy behind you going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind of, like, yeah, weird chew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where Dad's stuff, it's, it's like, smooth, creamy, vanilla forward. You'll get that, just that peak of spice, and then, oh, that easy, yeah. kind of smooth finish that's sweet, a little warm in the belly. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's not. It's not sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that out of any of our whiskeys would be what I would point people towards, unless they'd be open to rye. Then I was waiting to get to rye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because uh, I just think rye for a beginning drinker is also easier to consume because it does not have a finish yeah. like a bourbon does. There is no heat on the back end of a rye. And when I explain that to people and they're like, that's why I think it's smoother. Uh, and I hate the term smooth. Oh, oh cheers. Uh, cheers. Smooth. <laughs> smooth, that word. smooth is a texture. It's not a taste. Yes, term. it's men, It's tactile surfaces and babies behind. It's but, not. And But what people mean by that is yes. this did not burn me or this was easy for me exactly. to consume. Yes. Um, or it's really enjoyable. But for some reason, everybody just got into smooth. I would go so far... Joshua Hatton of the Guilford Hattons to say that last segment was smooth. Oh, jinkies. (laughs) You mother. (laughs) So I have one more wild turkey to be to be pouring just as we transition into the, the final and longest portion of the interview today Mm, mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier we'd asked bruce a question about wild turkey funk yes and he pivoted to talking about family we told you it would return later (laughs) we're going to sit back here we're gonna rest ourselves a little bit drink our bourbons that we've got in our glasses here and turn the floor over to some questions that we took over facebook Mm-hmm. when we were in the warehouse with Bruce. The one thing I'll add to this, because I, you know, somehow in my head I hadn't really expected this to happen. When we were in the back of the warehouse, no reception. Real, None at all. <laughs> right? Just nothing there. Real dead zone. So we actually moved up to the front of the warehouse to yeah. access the Facebook questions and continue the conversation with Bruce. Mm-hmm. So um, so the, all this preamble was leading me to the third question you're going to hear uh, from Michael Bloom via Facebook mm-hmm. asks about the wild turkey funk. And so I, sir, oh. as I finish my Whiskey Jubilee Rickhouse G, I'm putting in my glass the most recent single cast nation Wild Turkey single cask from Rickhouse K. Oh, yes. As we say on the label, one for the wild turkey connoisseurs who love the famous turkey funk. Look for a damp, earthy, woody quality that is balanced out by a fruity sweetness that closes on a drying oakiness. And I am going to enjoy this as we listen to the questions and we hear Michael Bloom ask about turkey funk. Okay, you've probably heard this question before. So this is, I need to hear Jason, hold on to this. Thank you. This is from uh, from Ford Ray, and he says, well, while Turkey started allowing more Russell's rye store and bar picks, or potentially uh, cast strength rye release? Uh, yes, eventually, and yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, barrel proof rye is like definitely something that has been on our mind for a while. Yeah. Uh, me and Dad have talked about doing one. We actually have 
not to get anybody's hopes up, but we have some older raw kind of set back that we don't know what to do with at the moment because it's the amount that we have is kind of in between a super limited product and like our normal limited. Okay. So we don't know what we want to do with that stuff. I would like to just put it out at cash strength mm-hmm. um, or maybe do some single barrel barrel proofs or something like they did with Kentucky Donut. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the store picks with the rye is coming. Uh, that was supposed to be this year. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about it in two or three months, so probably not. Uh, but it is a thing that is coming. Um, so what what would hold that up? Is it supply or is it just supply? Like, yeah, okay. Supply. Yeah. Um, and we're doing we're supposed to only do four hundred fifty. We're doing probably five hundred barrels this year. Wow. Out of the bottling plant and. All the single barrel stuff, the private barrel stuff, is all done on one line by hand, mm-hmm. and there's not enough hours in the day or union work mm-hmm. to get all that mm-hmm. done. You know, they can only do so many a month, and so we don't know what we want to do with the rye yet. There's talks about maybe getting rid of the retail product and only doing private barrel. There's talks of um, maybe only doing the private barrel on premise, or maybe only doing the private barrel off premise, or you know, there's all these talks mm-hmm. of like. Yeah. How can we make sure that 100% of our great, because we have a lot of great rye, how can we make sure 100% of it that we want to get out there gets out there and is sold and drank that's best for the consumer? No, we would still have one-on-one. Okay. But we just might not have the um, single-barrel Russells. Oh, oh, yeah. That's what it would take over. Yeah. Because that's the problem is do we want to have our normal retail and only do 50 barrels a year or 30 barrels a year to – people that we kind of consider our best supporters that we were talking about before. Yeah. Or do we want to get rid of that retail product and do another Mm -hmm. three or Mm -hmm. 400 barrels or whatever? Um, I don't know what the correct answer would be. So stay tuned. (laughs) You'll start seeing them in the next year or two. Okay. So this is John Lewert. Hopefully I pronounced his name right. Probably not. Uh, Probably not. Uh, So he says, I've heard rumors that there were allegedly attributable, attributable to Bruce that at some point in the near future, while Turkey would be releasing uh, Russell's Reserve picks at full cast strength. Any truth in the rumors? Uh, and if so, is there a general potential timeline? Uh, yeah, there is truth to the rumor. We're hoping to s- get that started next year. Okay. Uh, if that means you can pick them out next year, I don't know. But I know that like plans and programs and discussions and stuff, I mean, the discussions are already happening now. Um, but the plans and programming and stuff would probably start next year. Uh, so maybe that would be like a 2020 thing, but that is coming. Okay. Again, we don't know what to do. We don't know whether to get rid of um, – if we did that, we probably would just get rid of your ability to choose between Russell's and Spirit and everybody just kind of get what you oh. all get, which is yeah. uh, we would start doing maybe different labels or maybe just like Wild Turkey Single Barrel. And that would be all it is. And then everybody just get their stuff at cash yeah. drink. I would like for everybody to get exactly what you taste out of the barrel into a bottle. Yeah. Non-chill filtered, cash drink, there yeah. you go. Uh, and that is going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can attribute that solely to me. Uh, Dad definitely is also a big proponent behind that. Okay. Um, and so is an old uh, person uh, like on the brand team, Mike Price. Yeah. But... Uh, I do get attributed to a lot of stuff uh, because I'm the most loud about things. <laughs> and I'm the most honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't toe the line as well as I probably should sometimes. Yeah. 
But, you know, sometimes it does get things done. And I think everybody should have their stuff at cash strength if they want it. You've bought yeah. the barrel, it's yours. Have that. And, and I think, you know, it, it, your single barrels at, at full strength, like the old donuts, amazing stuff, yeah. right? And it just goes to show that you're, there's, there's a market for it. That's like the most coveted Dusty that I know of. Oh, is yeah. the donut. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one in uh, it Tails. We did like a little event down did there. Did you? Yeah, and we had a whole bottle. Kill it. This is an interesting one from Michael Bloom. Mm-hmm. He says, if we know we like the wild turkey funk, are there current standard products on the shelf that they could find by drink that has that older style? Not in the States, to be honest. Oh, okay. I don't think. Um, The only people that are even making things close that I know of to, like, what Jimmy used to do, like the Peerless Boys. uh, okay. He's making 107 entry proof, as far as I know, and still in low and doing that kind of thing. But the reason why you can't do it anymore, it was a million things that made that happen. Mm. When Pernod bought us in 81, Mimi didn't even really have a... A yield, he could tell them per bushel. He's just like, well, the whiskey tastes good. And they're like, well, you got at least like a four eight or a five on your yield, right? And he's like, no, but my whiskey tastes good. Uh, you know, they're losing money. Yeah, yeah. But the whiskey was so good. He didn't have rules or regulations besides the ones he himself followed. Yeah. You know, get good grain, distill right, use the right kind of water, ferment right, age right, and it didn't matter what was in the way. We'll take care of that just to make the whiskey good. Mm-hmm. Where today we can't. Me and Dad have talked about this. We could make a distillery and try to recreate that juice. I don't know if you ever could anymore. We could try to recreate it, and the only two people that could work for the company would be me and Dad because that's the only people that could live off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but we could. You could make a ten or fifteen year old whiskey at one hundred and seven proof. Bring in heirloom grain. You know, like do the whole yeah. nine yeah. yards. Age everything on site eight to twelve years. Um, baby every barrel. You could do that, yeah. but nobody does that anymore. What's uh, your entry proof now? 115. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but another thing that whoever can be excited for, and I think it's kind of exciting, uh, I've started to push for at least a small limited run of barrels. It might not ever even go into a bottle, but I'd like to do a week's run or maybe just a day's run of barrels because a day with us is pretty big, 700 barrels. We could do a day's worth. In one day? Mm-hmm. So much we fill up. Seven times. It's funny talking to Catoctin Creek. Yeah. They do yeah. a barrel and a half per day. Oh, yeah. Of a 30-gallon. And, 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 <laughs> and there are some that do way more than us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we're doing 700 barrels a day. If we did 700 barrels, I'd like to do a week, though, because uh, you get three, 4,000 barrels in. Yeah. You do three or 4,000 barrels all at 107, put them in a bunch of different warehouses. S- just see if see it's different. Happens. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. Because... A lot of people want to point out, well, it had to be the grains, or it had to be the water, or it had to be the age, or it had to be the stills, or it had to be the distillation proof, or it had to be this thing that we are not allowed to legally do anymore. I don't know what it is, Mm. but I don't think it was ever just one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a few things we know it was not. It was not cypress wood. Um, okay. That definitely was yeah, not. Yeah, that's a theory. That yeah, is, yeah. and that's definitely not what it is, because okay. we've we did experimentations with that. That did not change the funk. Um, so maybe it is the entry proof. I don't know, 
But I don't think anybody that's online knows. There's people because they're not. They haven't been to my distillery and yeah. experimented with our juice. Uh, other, but it does taste different than it used to. There's other people that talk about um, just the age of the actual oak itself when they were making barrels old back growth, then. Yeah. yeah, old growth oak. Do you think that that played any part? It could. That would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, trust me when I say that we tried everything we could once we realized that people were into that funk that people did not want back then. Mm. Um, that now that people are so into it, well, let's try to recreate that. And you can on occasion. Yeah, I've tasted a barrel or two here that yeah. I'm like, oh, man, there it is. <laughs> you can taste it. There's that funk. Yeah. Uh, there's that weird back end that turkey gets sometimes. Uh, but back then, everything tastes like that. Yeah. And we've tried our damnedest to recreate that. Yeah. And we haven't figured it out yet. So maybe if we put all those low entry proofs, we can figure something out. Um, maybe it is buying a small pot of oak from somebody's backyard forest yeah. that has some old growth and yeah. see, yeah. hey, how's this turn out? Maybe this is different. Because yeah. I think Independence State would be into that kind of thing. Um, for the, okay, so you're buying your, your barrels from Independence Dave. Do you know, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the the barrels that you're getting from them, is it are those kiln-dried staves or are they air-dried staves? We do staves? not kiln-dry anything. You don't. No. Oh, okay. And we think that's very bad. Yeah. Uh, you don't have no, enough time. We, we're air-drying for nine months. Okay. Uh, typically for our, all our stuff, outside air. Okay. Uh, yeah. Jimmy would die if he knew we were kiln-drying stuff. Wow. No, that's really he good to hear. He would die. He would die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, our barrels are made the exact same way since Jimmy started. Uh, same staves across. Yeah. Uh, same thickness and width. Same burn. Everything. Hmm. Uh, it's four all the way through, tops and bottoms and sides. That was the most interesting thing to me when I first started to learn about this. Because even growing up, it's always a fifty-five second burn, fifty-five second burn, fifty about a minute burn. But then when you go there, you realize, oh, there's a guy that determines every day. A number four today is a minute and two seconds. Uh, or a number four today is 56 seconds oh, based right. on humidity and temperature and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I think that's pretty neat. Their environment. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, but that is one of the last things in our industry, at least, here or Scotland or Japan, anywhere that's making whiskey, that's not automated at all. Yeah. People that make barrels still make barrels by hand. Yeah. Uh, it's... The most automated thing they have is conveyor belts to take their piece of barrel to the next guy who's going to then hand make the next piece of the barrel. You know, it's a lot different than most of this industry. Yeah, sure. But we haven't figured out barrels yet. We still have yeah. to hand roll them. Yeah. We still have to hand make them. We haven't automated that part. Even the charring process. I was at uh, Loch Lomond Distillery two years ago, and, you know, they, they put the barrel onto whatever the heck holds it, and mm-hmm. then this, you know, the, the thing goes into flame on uh but flame on flame on but but the guy who's doing it comes around with with a water jug to like put some water in there to like slow some things down or what Mm. have you so it's while part of it is automated there's still someone who has to control it Mm, which is pretty amazing uh yeah the barreling operation is very very interesting to me even more so than like what we do i get what we do why their stuff turns out the way it does i have no clue yeah let me thank before we move on jason the the, the good people. Thank you. No, well, maybe. Uh, just want to thank the good people who took the time out to to ask some questions. We only got to three. There were actually a few more that that came in after we were done uh, with with our time with Bruce. Uh, but but it was great to get those questions in. And I thought Bruce's answers were uh, 
both candid, spot on, and fun. Yeah, that's absolutely the takeaway from Time with Bruce is that he'll just tell you the straight up truth. He's just straightforward and all over it. Yeah. Might think might plans change in the future? Absolutely. Might that make what he said no longer true? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Was it 100% true at the time he told us? Absolutely. So I, I thank him for for being candid with us, for being uh, honest and open, and really for the amount of time. We looked at our watches as we were outside <laughs> having a, yeah. a few kind of closing drinks. That'll come up in a future episode. And it was beautifully bright, it was pleasantly warm, the sun was still, you know, still in the sky, still above the yard arm. No, I don't know why I'm trying to use yard arm. I don't know what yard arm means. And <laughs> looked at the watch and it mm-hmm. was 8 p.m. Right. <laughs> yeah. And actually, let's do the math there. We got there for 3.30. Mm-hmm. We left at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he was wrapping up with his group. True, but while we recorded three hours of audio, yes. which is a lot, there was also other time that wasn't recorded. Yes. Um, yeah, which was just, it was just a good, good time with Bruce. So, perfect point here to say thank you, Bruce. Cheers, Bruce. Yeah, I appreciate all your time. It was, it was wonderful to spend time. And really look forward to uh, spending time with you again. Absolutely. So we've got... So the interesting thing is, with all that time we spent with Bruce, we did not ask him for a misconception. So I've been holding on to one. and, uh, And I'll throw that in a little later. But I think now would be a good time, Jason Johnston Yellen, to... To talk about the news of which we've got some pretty important news, which I think we should try to cover as quickly as possible. So, you know, 20 minutes, somewhere around there, that, that should cover it. Bring out the paper boy. Bring out your dad. Nope. Bring out your dad. Nope. I'm not dead yet. Nope. You're doing your own bit. You're going to be participating in my bit. I think say, I'll go for a walk. I say bring out the paper boy and you say... Hey, Jimmy, give me a pizza with nothing. The the paper boy's sleeping. The paper boy's sleeping. Then you better go wake him up. Oh, gotcha. And then fast forward 18 minutes. And then there's this sexy French girl. She's like, whose bike is that? (laughs) And then you're like, that's Zed's bike. And then she's like. Well, where's Zed? What happened to Zed? And then you would say... Zed's dead. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. So do you know what happened in my driveway the other day? You had a gimp in your driveway? Close. Did you use a samurai sword to kill a rapist? I walked out into my driveway. I looked in front of me, and what did I see? A ball gag on the driveway. Freshly used. Zev's bike. (laughs) <laughs> and I said to myself, whose bike is this? Zev's bike. Zev's dead. No, oh, you did not say that. By the way, dear listeners, Zev is Jason's youngest son. 
And thankfully, he is alive and kicking and looking quite handsome these days. Joshua. Yes. Go wake up the paper boy. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Life story of Playboy Penny. Extra, extra. Extra, extra. Read all about it. <laughs> you and I, dear friend, <laughs> have three major things to discuss. Okay. Okay. I will focus. All right, gentlemen. Free your mind. I'd like to free something. Focus. That's what I was thinking. Focus. Whatever. I feel like we should always record this part before we start drinking. No, no. Okay. We should never record anything before we start drinking. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, n- numero yes. uno. Numero uno. I think it's probably best to talk about the end of an era. Oh, right? we're jumping right in there. Yeah, let's go in. Okay. You know, we're, we're, you mentioned it before. You, you poured some Whiskey Jubilee Wild Turkey. I did. You teased a bit, and I figured, you know, I let's did. not... Uh, people have been waiting. I see you shiver with anticipation. For the rest of, of the story, could you... What's going on? Wh- wh- what were you teasing, Jason Johnson Yellen? Whiskey Jubilee Chicago will be our 12th festival bottling release. Not our 12th event, but the event which will feature our 12th festival bottling. Let the record show Jason did not say 12th event. I I just want, for those people who aren't the intellectually elite like you are, I just want it to be incredibly clear. What's hilarious about you clarifying this is it will be our 13th event. (laughs) <laughs> but, but goddamn anybody to hell who spends even one second yeah. thinking this is our twelfth event. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is a dozen bottles, but a baker's dozen of events. <laughs> anybody thinking this is our twelfth event, you are not welcome yeah. at our thirteenth event. You you say it's our twelfth event, I'm gonna cut you. I'm gonna cut this one. I cut a bitch. <laughs> There there will be a questionnaire to get in the door at Whiskey Jubilee Chicago. Is this the 12th event or the 13th event? And lo, anybody who says 12. Anybody who brings out their fingers and toes and counts Uh the number of festival Uh bottlings they own and say, this is the 12th. I'm telling you, if they say it's the 12th, a trap door (laughs) drops open and they fall into pinches of peril. I was I was thinking much more catapult. Ooh, catapult. Oh, I like that. That's it. So, yes. So now that we have spent <laughs> way more time than we ever needed to clarifying 13th event, 12th <sighs> bottling, uh-huh. we had the couple get married mm-hmm. in June after a long engagement that saw them travel around the country. Now we have them with their older son yeah we actually fast forward the story by 25 years now why would we fast forward it by 25 years if we did a 
marriage for the marriage label, mm-hmm. why would we fast forward 25 years into the future for our final label? Well, f- first off, we want to be very respectful and we don't want to show a label having our hero and heroine boning, right? So we wanted to get past that. And then having a pregnant woman on a label didn't make sense. Having her visit their son at daycare didn't make sense. Uh, you know, showing his bris totally didn't make sense. We could have done a bar mitzvah whiskey, but, you know, you're showing kids on a bottle. And yes, he's a man now, but only in the eyes of the Jewish people. You know, this none of this makes sense. And then we I said, never realized how much yeah. I wanted a bar mitzvah label until you just said we couldn't have one. I desperately <laughs> want a bar mitzvah label. Who's feeling the press now, motherfucker? Oh, that sounds good. So then we said, wait a second. Wait a goddamn minute. Not just a goddamn minute. We have this cask. Of 25-year-old light whiskey. Maybe we should use that for our festival, for our final whiskey jubilee. Not our final whiskey jubilee festival bottling, but our final bottling within this story arc of the hero and heroine and make their son, David, 25 years old. I will even, I will even make the connection tighter than that. Like tight as a tiger? When we were at Whiskey Jubilee New York City, mm-hmm. and I was working incredibly hard behind the table, oh, I think I and know you story. were out gallivanting around doing whatever it is you do, yep. you brought a glass to me and said, taste that. Mm-hmm. And I tasted it and I said, that is absolutely fucking brilliant. Yes. And do we have the opportunity to put it in a bottle? And you said, and these were almost your exact words, you said, I am so glad you said that. (laughs) Because this is a cask sample of 25-year-old light whiskey. (laughs) And I said, yes. And then it became that part of your story, which was, now where will we use this? And then, aha, the light bulb went on, the eureka moment. We brought Whiskey Jubilee, 25-year-old light whiskey, together. With our hero yeah. and heroine concluding the series the last time, uh, never say never, of course, the last time we will see the two of them with this 25-year-old son on a label. We will bid them adieu. Adieu. So let's, let's think about this whiskey really quickly. Light whiskey <laughs> produced at a distillery that is not MGP, that is not LDI. But at the time of distillation, and this is in 1993, Mm -hmm. was called the Joseph E. Seagram Lawrenceburg plant. This is the old Seagram's plant. So we get to put that on the label. Hopefully the TTB will approve that. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) Potentially we could be bottling a little bit of history here. Potentially. But it is, it's still history. Whether we can, whether the TTB will allow us to say that or not, that's, that's neither here nor there. It is still history. I asked you the other day, what were you doing in 1993? And this is what I want people to think about when we're talking about this whiskey. What were you doing in 1993? 
as you think about this whiskey and as you drink this whiskey. Oh, I, I thought that was a pregnant pause for the listener to think about what they were doing in 1993. I'm waiting for them to respond. I haven't heard anything from them yet. Let's give it another second. Uh-huh. Nothing. No, I, I haven't heard anything. Well, no, 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 no. Oh. I do. I distinctly hear somebody shouting in a car. Oh, right. They were just starting their morning commute in okay. L.A. Okay. In yep. L.A. Right. That's it. In 1993, they were just getting on the 101. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so th- this will be the 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 Chicago Jubilee Festival bottling, and it will be the last in the series that features the hero and heroine. Again, 25-year-old, light whiskey, 60.3% alcohol, distilled in 1993, only one cask's worth. And we will be selling these $10 per year. This will be a $250 bottle. Yes, that sounds like a lot of money. But when's the last time you saw a 25-year-old American whiskey? Yes, this is not Pappy. But 23-year-old <laughs> Pappy goes for a lot, right? My point is this stuff doesn't exist. And we found some in existence. And it is drop dead gorgeous so we're incredibly excited about it it is yeah just just very quickly it's got that little sweetness that little bit of sweetness that Mm -hmm. little bit of orange that you'd expect from light whiskey but then it has this wonderful oak presence not too much oak it's not bitter it's just a nice balance with the sweet that we've come to expect from some of our Mm -hmm. younger light whiskeys and Um, in a, a bit of that light mintiness that you get from older oak a bit of that cotton candy element that you get from older bourbons, which is really nice. Granted, this is not a bourbon, but it's that note that you get from older bourbons, which for me as a bourbon drinker, I look for that stuff. And I find it in my cheesy gold foil, which I just finished, sadly. But um, yeah, so exciting stuff. Um, It's going to go over very well. So you had mentioned, and I think this is news bit number two. You had mentioned a bit about the marriage bottling. Can you talk mm. about that briefly? Yeah, for for sure. Whiskey Jubilee, New York City. We married our couple on the label. Uh, I am standing there as best man. Joshua is playing the role of officiant. Mm-hmm. And we are very happy to say that we begged our graphic designer, uh, Mo McAuliffe, who has just done a beautiful, wonderful job with every single one of our Whiskey Jubilee labels. Uh, we begged her to put herself on the label yeah. as uh, maid of honor. Yep. And so it's it's wonderful seeing the three of us in real life on there with our marrying hero and heroine. It's uh, yeah, it's a real nice nice moment. And obviously to honor our marriage on the label. We married a 12-year-old bourbon with a five-year-old rye, yep. uh, bo- both MGP products, mm-hmm. and we put that in the bottle, and we've had the chance to sell that to attendees of uh, Whiskey Jubilee New York City um, who signed up on the night. They have secured their bottles, and we are about to release a small allocation to single cask nation members. And so this 
12-year-old, 5-year-old marriage is $125 a bottle and incredibly delicious and selling fantastically well. Shipping as this podcast is live. And if you've got interest in participating in that, become a Single Cast Nation member immediately Mm -hmm. and definitely get on the Facebook page. Yeah, so if you are a member, good job. If you aren't a Single Cast Nation member yet, uh, like Jason said, just go to singlecastnation.com, sign up, get an account, join our Facebook page. We are going to make uh, this small allocation of the Whiskey Jubilee bottling available to Single Cast Nation members on September 4, noon Eastern Standard Time. We'll make the link live to the product on our Facebook group page. Again, noon Eastern Standard Time. We'll also send an email out, uh, but don't trust email. Email servers <laughs> can be pretty darn slow, and you yeah. may miss out. Uh, so if you're on Facebook, uh, be sure to join the group. If you're not on Facebook, start a profile just to join the group. Join in on the conversation. Make sure you're not missing out on some of these bottlings. And we are selling these two per person. Uh, but it is a first come first served item. You know, we have mentioned in the past that single cast nation bourbons moving forward will be sold via lottery. But this is not a single cast nation product. This is a whiskey jubilee product and in a sense it was already sold via lottery to begin with because you know, you needed to be an attendee of the New York City Whiskey Jubilee. So we already those people who joined us at the festival had their lottery ticket. Now this is just, you know, us always carrying over some of that Whiskey Jubilee stock for Single Cast Nation members. And they have always been first come, first serve. So really exciting whiskey. Hope you're able to get some. Um, and then the final bit of news, Jason. Numero tres. <laughs> this, my good friend. And dear listeners, oh boy, has been years in the making. <laughs> Let me stress that years in the making. Uh, so, in our earlier days of Single Cast Nation, uh, Jason and this I, is the, this is the first absolutely one hundred percent bona fide appropriate time to back it up. It is. This is single cask nation history that you are dropping on our listeners. Wow. So many years back, we went to the Glen Farkless <laughs> Distillery. And, you know, we, we know George Grant uh, over at the distillery. He's fifth generation uh, there. And somehow, maybe it's Jason's charm. Maybe it's my good looks and smarts. So far, I think you're 0 for 2 on what it might be. <laughs> <laughs> but we got we, we got Glenn Farkless to agree to sell us whiskeys, to sell to an independent bottler a cask of whiskey and allow us to use the Glenn Farkless name. Now, at that time, we'd selected a single cask, an 18-year-old at the time, and just because of the way pricing structures go, uh, they had to treat it as a Glenn Farkless family cask, which you usually see like 
you know, a date on there, 1973, 1986, you know, 1991, 1964, what have you. And those are a very specific product that command a higher price that we felt was a bit too high for our members at that time. Yep. So while we selected a cask, we said, you know what, thank you for the opportunity, but we have to let it go. We just feel it's a bit too much. They understood. And, you know, there were no hard feelings whatsoever. And we said, you know, maybe in the future, do you think we can, you know, can we at least keep the lines of communication open? And of course, you know, George, being the gentleman that he is, he said, yeah, for you guys, of course, I'd be happy to do that. Fast forward to August 2000. Yeah. Oh, let me are you going to back it up? Um, Just momentarily. (gasps) Oh. Not only did Glenn Farkless understand, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. our nation members understood. Yes. And the fact that we had gone to bat for them over pricing yeah. really resonated. And yeah. we received a lot of emails, a lot of feedback on the road from people saying, thanks for doing that. You know, I really appreciate that you keep the dollar bill in mind. And I think to this day, we'll look at our wild turkeys selling for $101 a bottle, right? We've kept the dollar bill to the forefront of our minds. Of course. You know, because we to- because we're we're whiskey consumers, right? Correct. Correct. And we we always need to look at what we do when we sell to our nation members. You know, if we were them, right? Right? Put ourselves in their shoes. Would we open our wallets for this? And at the time, you know, given the price, we, we I know I wouldn't, and Could so I wouldn't want to. Yeah. So, now, so here's, here's the interesting thing. The question is, the question that comes to my mind as a listener, I would say, yeah, but was it a good whiskey? Did you let a great one go? And I've got a bit of a story, a quick one for you. All right. That cask <laughs> ended up going into the Taiwanese market that year. And that year, it won whiskey of the year in Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was a... Pretty damn good cask, uh, but I, I still do think that we made the right decision in in letting it go. And oh, 100 uh, percent. Yeah. I haven't spent one single moment, even it won the award. I didn't spend one moment thinking maybe we should have sold that to our members for an increased <laughs> price. Nope, still fit in yeah. with uh, with our policy for our company. So yeah, yeah. so I, I just want to get that said, mostly because I'm very appreciative of our members. And yeah, sure. how they understood we were going to bat, and we appreciate them understanding that we were going to bat. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So cut to. So now, fast forward to August 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Just yesterday, <laughs> um, where we are. I'm back at the distillery, and this was this was a trip without you. This is actually a trip with our good friend Jonathan Bray of Secret Spirits. Nice. Uh, who does the Scotch Whiskey Advent Calendar, uh, which Indeed. is a cracking calendar, and Rum's Revenge? If you're a if you're a rum drinker, he's got a great many fun people are these product. days. He and I went to the distillery, and uh, we were allowed to select from casks. And this time, we said, "Well, let's pick some younger stuff." And wouldn't it be fun if maybe we picked two good casks and married them together? So we went around with Callum Fraser, who or oh, Fraser, yeah. Yeah. yeah, distillery manager at the time, and I think he's still the distillery manager there. 
and we selected at the time an eight-year-old first fill Sherry Hoggy Farkless Cask and a second fill eight-year-old Oloroso Sherry Hogsheads Cask. So two eight-year-old Oloroso Sherry Hogsheads, one first fill, one second fill. And what we did is we tasted through three of the first fill, three of the second fill, and fell in love with one of those three for each, and then we married them together to see what happened, and you know, 50-50, and we fell in love. Oh, 100%. Head over heels. Head over heels. Now, because Scotland tends to move at the speed of Scotland, <laughs> this whiskey that we selected actually didn't get bottled until almost a year and a half later in December of 2017. Now, you would say... You, the listener, it would say, wait a second, a year and a half, did you get to taste it again before it got married and, and bottled again? And I'm very happy to let you know that, yes, we did. We got new samples of those casks. We married them together. We let the whiskey actually sit for a week, two weeks, something like that. I almost want to say three weeks because we're both maybe, traveling around a lot. Yeah, so. so maybe three weeks. Yeah. And, and the whiskey ended up being better yeah um yeah very 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 pleased with it so big vibrant generous sherry on, on this whiskey and then so now it's a nine-year-old almost 10-year-old but a nine-year-old and i'm happy to say that this whiskey this has just hit u.s shores it's about to go to the distribution warehouse we are going to begin sales of that at noon eastern time on september 13th and we estimate shipping to begin uh, first week of October, October 1. And go. this will be uh, $110 per bottle Indeed. for cask strength, independently bottled, Glen Farkless with the Glen Farkless name on it. Again, this is a collaboration with a distillery. Just like with Wild Turkey, we have that collaboration. We have this collaboration with Glenn Farkless, just like we have one with Glenn Murray and Isle of Aaron. These are relationships that we fostered over the years. And with this particular case, we played a bit of the long game. And by long game, I mean the many years game. But you know what? That's that's whiskey. <laughs> yeah, you lay, you lay and you make spirit in a barrel. You're playing the long game. <laughs> yeah, not, if, That's not tomorrow's it, product, next month's product. That's the long game. And sometimes you just have to sit back, yeah. relax, and let the whiskey come to you. If you are being impatient about whiskey and whiskey taking too long, then you have some uh, false expectations and you're just doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm super, super duper excited to get that to the U.S., to get yes. it on sale, to get it out to membership. And it's going to be good. It's This will be our second Double Cask Nation label. So I'm pretty excited about that. Awesome news yeah. segment, yeah, Joshua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's been a while since we had some really fun stuff to announced to our online members. I mean, granted, you know, we've had Stones of Stenness. We had the Port Charlotte before that. 
but it's been one here, one here, here's another one. This time there's three different things that, that are going to be available, whether it's through Single Cast Nation or Whiskey Jubilee. And, you know, obviously, even with the 25-year-old light whiskey, we are going to hold some of that over for Single Cast Nation members who don't live in the Chicagoland area or aren't able to travel to Chicago for Jubilee. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you are able to travel to Chicago for Whiskey Jubilee, it is November 8th. There are still some tickets available. They are only $95 per ticket, which gives you access to all 50 tables that have whiskey on them, somewhere around 300 different whiskeys, give or take. Plenty of food to eat. It's an all-you-care-to-enjoy buffet. And cigars on the patio and this festival bottling. So ninety-five bucks, cheapest chips. Get yeah, your hell taste of, a night of the out. Jubilee bottling. Yeah, yeah. cracking. Yeah, yeah, good times. I'm going to suggest. Oh, snippety snap! That we table misconception. No, I've got a quick one, and people need to hear it. Oh my god! This is my gears. Is I grind my gears? It is misconception slash grind my gears. Okay, so here we go. Earlier, Joshua, you said yeah. a misconception was coming. Mm-hmm. Earlier, Joshua, you reminded me that your smooth take mm-hmm. was a grind my gears uh-huh. masquerading uh-huh. in the slot uh-huh. of the misconception. It's my I didn't under- say that. You said that. But go on. It's my understanding that you have got a... S- another grind my gears that we're going to pop into this misconception slot uh, and then we're going to get out of here? Yes. So it is a misconception. You literally said people need to hear this. They need to hear this. It's a misconception that I had never heard before. And as soon as I heard it, it ground my gears. Okay. Lives are about to be saved. (laughs) So I'm in... A city that I that shall not be named. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> Even an entire city needs to remain anonymous. <laughs> and the single cast nation release number three, the, the the retail bottlings, had just hit our warehouse. I'd just gotten samples and I was doing a tasting at a shop. A very supportive shop. And I'm tasting all five of these whiskeys out. As a reminder, right, we we had our 43-year-old Invergordon, 20-year-old Glenrothes, our 28-year-old Undisclosed, our 9-year-old, sorry, that was Undisclosed Bayside, our 9-year-old Undisclosed Isla, and then our 10-year-old Croftnagea, right? Those are our five new whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And I'm pouring for inc- just great people. Not to say this guy who said it isn't great. He was incredibly nice. However... He he says, so what do you have here? And I said, well, you know, these are whiskeys from Single Cast Nation. You know, this is this is my company, and we make these selections. Sometimes we buy from uh, distilleries. Sometimes we buy from brokers. He said, oh, so you're a rebottler. Ooh, yes, that's distasteful. So the term rebottler implies that a distillery has bottled the whiskey. Yeah. And then we've taken that whiskey and somehow re-bottled it. Ugh. So what I'm hearing is, when I hear him say this, I'm hearing a guy who's 
come across independent bottlings before. He's tasted them before. He's he may have even seen, you know, some of those classic Gordon McPhail labels, right? The Mortlock and the Imperial and the Glen Talkers and all that. And then he he sees that it's an independent bottler and he's thinking, oh, these guys just rebottled the whiskey. Hmm. Independent bottlers do not rebottle something that distilleries already bottled. We bottle whiskey from cask that the distilleries don't even own, typically. Those distilleries have sold spirit to blenders who have put that spirit into their own wood. And then the blenders couldn't use that because it didn't fit the flavor profile of their blend. The blender sold it on to brokers who then sold it on to us. There is no rebottling when it comes to what we do. It is bottling casks of whiskey that would not make it into anybody's standard age statement, that doesn't fit the flavor profile of anyone's blend, and there are thousands of these casks available. They're not all great, but our job is to look for the great ones. And so I had to explain to him in a, in a, in a very nice way, say, no, 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 sir, we, you know, we don't rebottle anything. And I gave him that, you know, two-minute elevator pitch of what an independent bottler does. And, you know, hopefully it, it, it stuck with him. You know, rebottle, as soon as I said rebottle, you said, ew, right? There's this, it's, there's a negative connotation and rightfully so. And it's, it sounds incredibly pejorative and I've never heard that term before. Just remember though, listener, you know, should this come up, do not use this as an opportunity to cut a bitch. <laughs> this is an opportunity to educate this person. Yeah, you should only cut a bitch if they consider the 13th Whiskey Jubilee to be the 12th. Then you cut a bitch. <laughs> and then they drop through a trap door into the pinch's apparel. <laughs> uh, and with, with that, Joshua, Haddon, with that said, we, we conclude our 35 minute episode on Wild Turkey. <laughs> it's only been 35 minutes, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I didn't think it was much longer than that. No, not at all. Yeah. So I'd like to thank you, Jason. <laughs> that checks he, out. He, here's what I want to thank you for <laughs> before we close. <laughs> is you uh -huh. you did a really good job right this was three hours of audio and i tasked you with the job to say okay please i'm going to listen to this while i'm driving around right i was driving to an event yesterday i'm going to listen to this to get reacquainted with the conversation but could you listen to this and mark down all of the points that you thought would be you know, good points to build a, an episode around and give me the timestamps for them. So I'm not spending days on end looking through, you know, the, these hours of, of recording and re-listening yeah. to a three hour recording. Multiple, Is that like re-bottling? So <laughs> <laughs> you can't look to eradicate the word and then keep bringing it up. It's, it's gone. You never mention it again. So, but you're very welcome. It was my pleasure mapping the, mapping the recordings since you do such a wonderful job with the editing. It's uh, I really anything do. I can do to help. Uh, I do such I a great job. jump to it. But, but I will say I now have to go put food in my belly because I have more wild turkey in my stomach than I do food. 
Yeah, likewise, likewise. So I'm going to do the same. And so I say to you, Jason, and I also say to our listeners, cheers, big ears. <laughs> you fucker. That was my, <laughs> that's what the bully said to me in primary school. <laughs> and then I'm going to hit you with a dodgeball, and you're going to be too <laughs> yeah, slow for my fucking ball. This is horrible. <laughs> um, I, I, I know that we have some loyal listeners who always listen to the end of the song. Uh, I would say for the conclusion of this uh, episode, let the podcast play out all the way to the end. There's a, a very special treat uh, coming up that makes us chuckle. So yeah. I will say on that one, cheers, big nose, since we're clearly bullying each other at the end of our podcast. And wow, I hope you die. You're just getting racist because I'm Jewish. <laughs> no, I just looked at your big nose and I said, cheers, big nose. <laughs> Cheers, small cock. <laughs> I can put it away. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't this whole time. Because you never asked and you never insulted <laughs> until now. <laughs> Always the penis with you. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't lock us in. Hey. Yeah. We're going to be here until probably for another hour at least. Doing a private barrel pick. Private barrel pick. You probably don't like it. Yeah. <laughs>